This is Doing Good Through Food. I'm Alex Coffin, and today I'm talking to Georgina Wilson-Powell, founder of Pebble Magazine and Pebble Guides. Pebble Magazine is all about stylish, sustainable living and covers food, fashion, travel and design. Georgina has been an editor for 16 years, always working in the food and travel magazines. Uh, And she set up Pebble 18 months ago after she saw the beginnings of a shift for people wanting a more sustainable life, but being put off by hippieish blogs and dry statistics. Pebble's all about connecting the dots, supporting small businesses and social enterprises, introducing readers to amazing brands and being a platform where people can access sustainable living advice on a range of different budgets. As she puts it, we're all about guilt-free pleasures. Georgina's written extensively about the many ways we can do good through food, and I'm really looking forward to talking about some of those today. Georgina, welcome to Doing Good Through Food. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, in my research, it seems to me like you've been writing as far back as I've been able to research, you've been writing sort of all the, all the way back to the student newspaper days and, you know, and everything in between. <laughs> I, I have done my research. I mean, did did you always know that you wanted to be a writer, or was there was there some particular point that made you realise that's what you wanted to do? Um, I think I've always told stories. Um, I've always wanted to tell stories, and my mother now tells a story that I used to cuss up all of her rather expensive magazines in the eighties and put them back together again. Um, I've always been drawn to that mix of sort of images and media, um, and sort of the power of magazines and. and for me, uh, storytelling is, is the most magic form of, of communication. And I think it's something that's very powerful and something that kind of gets lost a bit in a lot of negative news. And obviously now we have fake news on top of that. Um, so for me, just do, uh, I think I've always wanted to, to be in the industry that I'm in and I absolutely love it. Um, but with Pebble as well, I kind of saw the value of, of moving away from the stories and the the, the the journalism that I was doing to something that was a bit more profound, something that had a bigger impact um, and that I could see having a more positive impact and using those skills I'd learned um, over my career for, for, for doing good. Um, so, yes, it's, uh, it's, I don't really know what else I would do, to be honest. Um, I did think before I set up Pebble that I would chuck everything in and go and become some kind of permaculture farmer. Um, and then I realised I would be a terrible farmer. Um, so I've, I've stuck with media. I've, I've stuck with journalism. You're, you're right about permaculture farmers. That's, uh, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. The I, used, I used to run a music magazine. And again, that was my kind of contribution because I, I'm the least musical person on the planet. Um, so for me, it was, it was writing about it. it was the next best thing. And I think with Pebble, it feels like a role I can play very well, connecting people to different stories and, and, and sort of raising awareness of some of the amazing things that are going on. Absolutely. Well, it's, I'd, I'd really like to sort of, I don't know, just jump right into Pebble itself and um, sure. and kind of, you know, explain that a little bit for people. So the, I mean, I, I talked about it obviously in the introduction and, um, and one of the things that uh, sort of jumped out at me was when you, you were talking about this, this sort of gap in between sort of hippy dippy blogs and very dry facts and sort of trying trying to hit a gap somewhere in there um how how do you do that I suppose for for a first question um we do it I think partly it's it's the background that I've had and the experience that I've had over the last 15-16 years which has been in consumer magazines and that kind of being able to put a magazine together I've, I've launched a lot of different magazine brands as well 
um, it's very natural to me and I can sort of visualize what it's going to look like. And with Pebble, it's just on a different platform. It's, it's obviously free and it's on your laptop or your tablet or your mobile rather than uh, in print in your hands. Um, but I wanted to showcase all the amazing sustainable brands that are out there at the moment that really challenge our idea of what sustainable is. So I think a lot of people still think like ethical fashion is hemp sacks, you know, that are really unstylish and, and just awful. And the moment you sort of put sustainable in front of anything, it, it feels a lot drier. It feels quite like, oh, worthy, but without any value in itself. And we wanted to challenge that. You know, actually, these companies and these, these products are stylish. They're amazing. They're long-lasting. All the, all the things that you can possibly want. And they give back. And they're good for the planet. And often the people making them or pioneering new solutions and pioneering new materials and technology have the most amazing stories to tell. And they really showcase how much one person can change the world and one person can influence things. So for us, it was that kind of dual nature of showcasing what's stylish and what's good alongside these stories of people that are really positive and striving for change um, and to combat that. You know, I think we all have that kind of malaise or, you know, we have what's people sometimes do, charity fatigue or we have a malaise about how we can help. And for us, it's actually about making small differences. It's not about giving up your kind of your lifestyle. It's just about tweaking things and connecting people with with inspiring, whether inspiring things, whether that's a story, whether that's a product, whether that's a person. Um, because magazines are really powerful platforms. Um, you know, originally a magazine was there to amplify different voices and, and different uh, campaigns, and that's what we want to get back to. When when you're when you're writing for the magazine, do you have a particular reader in mind? Do you think there's a? I think I suppose I was wondering whether there's a whether that's part of the problem with blogs on the one hand that might you know go do, go down a kind of hippie route, um, or sort of maybe maybe they're kind of preaching to the converted almost, and and dry facts going a different direction. Do you do you have a sort of yeah, I, I, try and pitch it in a particular way. I do definitely. I mean, we we're very careful that we showcase positivity and, and solutions rather than problems as on a broad scale. In terms of um, who our reader, you know, who I aim the reader at, it's a mix. It's a mix of, of what I would want to see um, because I think I'm really a stereotypical pebble reader in that you know I care a lot about a lot of these issues and I want to do my bit and I want to get involved. Um, I don't always know where to start. And I like shopping. I like um, supporting small businesses. I like, you know, um, finding things that you fall in love with on Pinterest or on Instagram and sort of bookmarking them. And I think that it's just about consuming things in a different way. And I think there's lots of people out there, and we, we found a lot of them, like, they tell us how much they love Pebble, in that we're not telling people not what to do. We're not saying don't travel. We're not saying don't buy stuff. Um, we're not trying to laden on the guilt. It's just about tweaking it and supporting different options um, and just changing your mindset a little bit in terms of what you spend money on and how often. Because I think actually there's, there's an awful lot of people out there who do care about, about the environment and care about plastic waste and food waste and the, the provenance of their food. I mean, pretty much everybody would probably say, yes, I care about that stuff. 
But a lot of people are put off when they think it's going to be um, really worthy or, you know, they don't want to get involved in the whole kind of eco-warrior kind of feel. Um, and I think, you know, for us, that's, for us, it's got to be stylish. It's got to be beautiful. It's got to, it's got to appeal to people like a regular magazine. And then underneath, we kind of lure them in. It's something I've sort of heard, you know, it kind of echoes something I've heard quite often talking to people in these podcasts. It's, um, you know, that you, you really need to sort of engage with people in whatever it is you, that you're doing on quality, on price, mm. on, you know, with, with the actual product or service or whatever it is, you know, it needs to be, it needs to be wonderful in and of itself. And then, you know, if, if it also achieves fantastic aims and you know sort of reduces waste or whatever else it might be then then people can really buy into it but uh, but you know it needs to be great first that's it and, and for us the, the content has to be beautiful it has to be um, interesting or inspiring we're not just a portal for like any old thing that is green or you know just putting um, ethical in front of something you know we, we a we try and research as much as we can into the brands that we support and the products that we feature and also the sort of stories that we that we tell have to be shareable and, and interesting in their own right um, and I think that's what what sets us apart in one way and we're also not particularly you know we don't really share our personal journey this isn't a, a blog sort of where I you know I'm trying out everything and talking about my journey it's much more of a platform to showcase other people's brands, to showcase other people's stories, more like a traditional um, magazine or, or news source. Because for us, that's that's where we uh, excel. You know, we excel in connecting the dots between lots of different stories and lots of different products. So there's so many different um, content angles to Pebble. It's, it's really, it, it feels very diverse. You know, we get, have all sorts of different readers who come to us maybe through food waste or maybe through ethical fashion. And then they find out lots of other things while they're on the site. And that's, that to me is the most exciting bit. You've, um, you've grown pretty quickly. You said, um, I think you set up in 2016, is that 18 months ago? Yeah. So we launched uh, just before Christmas, uh, 2016. So we're coming up on our second year. Um, but really the growth has been incredible this year. And you said you you were at sort of forty thousand readers. Yeah, just thereabouts. Thousand. That's sort of um, growing about twelve percent month for month. Yeah, which is which is fantastic. You know, it's just I mean, are there particular? You said obviously people are kind of coming from all sorts of different angles. You know, they might come from food waste or you know sustainability or whatever it might be, and and find you that way. But are, are there particular issues that you know particular articles and sort of um, areas that engage? readers more than more than others are there? there are definitely um we have a, a kind of a top 10 of features that are just permanently popular and um, which is amazing we've got a huge zero waste um roundup which started as quite a small thing back in may as because we, we were just seeing so many zero waste shops um opening up um for sort of plastic free shopping and, um, and now i think we're up to 36 and we've got about another 10 to add uh, when I get a chance and that's that's just done amazingly well um and then we we, we also do really well around um, like vegan lifestyle um content so like vegan shoes um and vegan skincare things like that um and a lot of our eco travel does really really well 
So really diverse sort of, um, subjects that people find us with, but they all do kind of link together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're, they're quite, um, I mean, I found just in the sort of the episodes I've done of this podcast that have touched on those things, you veganism and, uh, you know, being one, you, they're very um, sort of engaged communities. You know, they, there's, uh, I think when those things get picked up on, they, they spread pretty quickly. Yeah, they do. And I think they're very much at the moment, at the, you know, at the moment. But it's also, we've just done a big reader survey. And through the survey, you know, only about 10 or 15 percent of readers are vegan. But a lot of the the benefits of a vegan lifestyle or vegan skincare, for example, you know, using all sort of plant-based and organic ingredients and making sure things are cruelty-free, that really appeals to people, even if they're not card-carrying vegan. Um, so I think one of the reasons we've grown so quickly this year is because we tap into that sort of more holistic view of things. Um, it's not just about, you know, buying your fair trade coffee anymore or supporting organic meat. It's it's about everything in your house, in your life. You know, we, from organic bedding, which has become quite a big thing for us, um, right through to sort of how you give back when you travel. So I think we've kind of captured that more lifestyle um, wish of people that, that they are changing. What, what do you see as the, the kind of ultimate purpose, if you like, of Pebble? I mean, do you, are you, do you see yourself reporting on the issues objectively as you know as far as it's possible to do that or do you kind of do you think there's a perhaps you you know advocating for certain paths directly you know certain things obviously because you're talking about a lot of these things are quite contentious like you know veganism or eating where meat fits within the farming system or something like that do you I think we're um, we're not afraid to kind of weigh in on issues um, we definitely don't sit on the fence of things that we're passionate about. Um, I, I'm absolutely passionate about organic farming and sustainable farming, and I think there's, there's definitely a role for sort of animal farming for a healthy ecosystem. Um, and obviously that doesn't align with, you know, a sort of more vegan uh, way of eating, but there's room for lots of different solutions. That's the kind of path that we take. You're not going to solve a global issue with, with just one solution. So I think we're really passionate about talking about a diverse range of, of issues and, and, and potential solutions and technologies. Um, and we obviously report on as much as we can. We're a, we're a really small team, so it's we try and cover as much as we can. And we, we get frustrated when we can't cover everything. Um, but also, you know, we, we're really one of Pebble's sort of, I guess, uh, aims and goals is to is to get to the point where we don't have to put ethical in front of something we don't have to put sustainable in front of an industry you know it is just it is doing good um you know moving fashion from a very linear polluting um manufacturing process to a much more circular um environmentally friendly one you know that would be a huge win i'm not saying we would do that ourselves but helping to talk about those issues and, and letting People understand where the issue, where the problems are, and what's being done, what they can help with um, to try and push those forward. I think for us, that's that's where we fit in. And if we can inspire people to go on and start their own B Corp businesses or positive social enterprises or 
you know, get them to change their behaviour of how they, they shop and consume. That, for me, is an amazing achievement. Um, and we have sort of anecdotal evidence that that is happening. You know, we get emails and messages and, and DMs of all sorts of different social platforms saying, you know, we've, we've, we've changed someone's mind or we've introduced them to a new way of, of shopping or introduced them to a new brand that's going to change um, change their wardrobe and, and give back to, to different issues. So, yeah, I think it, there's, there's a lot, obviously, to do. Um, and I don't think it's ever going to probably end in my lifetime. <laughs> but it's all, you know, it feels more positive playing a, um, an active part in those discussions than sort of sitting on the sidelines and moaning about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just wondering, I mean, uh, while we're sort of still on, on kind of Pebble and what it is that you do, you, you, you know, you cover quite a lot of, well, you, you cover some distinct areas. So sort of as well as food, there's fashion, there's travel and, uh, and design. And do you, do you find the conversation very different if you're talking about sustainability? Does it sort of cut through all of those platforms or do you, is it, are those industries at sort of very different points with, with regard to something like waste or sustainability? Um, I think a bit of both. I'd be really interested to see, to see what you think as well on this because I always I think the fashion industry is about 10 or 20 years behind the food industry. You know, I think people are only starting to wake up to the, the pollution that fashion has caused and how they can combat that by, by shopping differently. Um, whereas food kind of feels a bit more um, mature. You know, we know about organic food. We all know about buying local um, and how we can support different things. What, is that kind of been your your take on? I, I mean, I'm I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in in fashion, but that's certainly my sort of impression. I kind of that the awareness of things like fast fashion, sort of even that being a a kind of term I've heard banded around. That's that's sort of relatively recently, and and there's sort of seems like there's this sort of a, a celebrity. Uh, sort of driven you know sort of a lot of designers getting behind that kind of um you know putting that ethical focus kind of front front and center that seems to be a much more recent thing i think there's been been sort of focus on that from you know the sort of equivalent high level chefs and what have you for a lot longer and probably and probably sort of in the choices that people make maybe because they are uh you know sort of at a consumer level i suppose you make you make those decisions as far as food goes very very regularly you know you, you sort of you you buy your food and and eat food every you know every day yeah, yeah. many times so it's so I, maybe there's maybe there's something in that you know they're they're, they're um fashion is perhaps more of a a treat you know a kind of um i think it's i think it's going to be slower to change for that kind of reason um you know the the shopping opportunities like you said is not an everyday thing that you buy clothes or if it is, you know, you're maybe buying too much fast fashion. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, and, you know, as I, I think, you know, you can kind of, you would treat yourself, you know, with fast food every now and again. And I think clothing's become a bit a bit like that. You know, it's a bit of a quick endorphin hit. Um, and what we kind of need to kind of roll back to is it, it is a slower pace of things, like just like the, you know, the slow food movement. Um, but I do think there are similar challenges in every industry, whether you're talking about plastic waste or the food waste, um, the travel. It, it really kind of comes down to overconsumption and, and not thinking about where all our stuff that we throw away 
goes, whether it's wasted food or wasted clothes or, you know, the impact of, of sort of long-haul travel or, or, or frequent travel. So I think there's that awareness. There's, I think there is a shift in every industry that, that we are, individual consumers are waking up and kind of going, oh, actually, I need to think about the impact of my lifestyle in that angle. And I think that's the bit we've had in our, our head in the sands for, for the last few decades and not really realised. Um, and I, I think that's where the really exciting bit is coming in with lots of different pioneers in each industry who are looking at end-of-life design or they're looking at, you know, waste products, packaging products that, that break down or, you know, the way we're using food waste to make other products. Um, and, and those kind of stories are really what I think are really, really exciting. Absolutely. Um, I just, you, you've got some some experiences in sort of you know, the kind of luxury um, world as well, you know, sort of journalism in, in that area, I, I believe. I mean, do you see the, these kind of issues um, being thought about at that end of the market as well? I do. And I, and I can't get away from the fact that I used to write a lot about luxury of five-star hotels and fly all over the world. And, and I was very privileged for a few years. Um, but also see, saw the huge impact that, that that life was having, not just on my own guilt, but also on, you know, the environment. Um, and that sort of helped me sort of think about what I wanted to do next and what, and what I wanted to do instead. And so Pebble came as a reaction to part of that. And I do think, I think there's, there's two sides to the luxury thing. I think there are people who are changing and really embracing the whole eco luxury label whether it's hotels that are you know running off um, sort of local power grids and, and becoming sort of carbon neutral and really doing amazing things with their own kitchen gardens and things like that and then there's also the side of I was having this conversation with someone the other day about menswear um, because a lot of sort of more luxury labels they are made to last um, you know if you buy a tweed jacket or something that's made locally, it's got local wool, it's made from a, um, a factory that's been going for 200 years and, you know, it's going, you're going to have an heirloom margin that you can pass on to your, to your children. That in itself is, is a is slow, sustainable fashion because you're not going and buying it again, you're going to have it mended. You know, so I think with luxury, there's, it's very easy to kind of discount it and go, oh, it can't possibly be. Um, environmentally friendly and there's an awful lot that isn't um, also you know we've had a lot recently in the, in the press about Burberry burning all their excess stock just so other people can't get their hands on it which is just makes you mind boggle um, but I think the smaller labels um, especially the new either sort of the very heritage uh, brands like, like the, sort of the Tweeds and the Harris Tweed like we were, I was saying all the new up and coming um, sort of luxury designers they really are thinking about um, what they call end of life design so where the product's going to go when you finish with it is it going to break down can it be dissembled and made into something else um, you know so I think I think there's there's lots of, again there's lots of different options there's lots of different ways forward and you can't really paste everyone with the same brush paint everyone with the same brush um, but I think in all those different options that's that's where possibilities are. That's where um, you know so those those sort of inspiring light bulbs are going to go off. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think there's definitely, you know, obviously if you sort of hear something like Burberry doing something like that, that sounds you know 
I mean, that's pretty awful. You know, it's pretty awful to hear. You can't. You can't it's, it's not great. It's yeah, not you great. can't. I mean, but sort of within. There's definitely a place for sort of you know luxury and sort of for aspirational things. And you know, I, I think that um, you know, like within the food industry, there's definitely a lot of innovation and. You know, there, there's a real there's a place for that. You know, for those sort of just sort of chefs and and operators who who are just focused on quality. You know, and there's you obviously sort of want sustainable to to sort of become the norm so that there's so it's sort of it's just a given that it will also be you know be sustainable that those those things will have been thought of but you know the focus on excellence I think is is kind of important in those sorts of industries you know and about giving people what they want so absolutely I think it'd be really lovely if when we say excellence sustainable is just built into that because that's what it means and I think you are getting that as, you know, a lot of the, the really impressive restaurants um, that are winning, you know, both Mission Stars and like Sustainable Restaurant Awards, you know, because they are championing the best quality ingredients, the local foraging. And those two things kind of dovetail really nicely together. You know, you get the excellence and the quality because it's local, because something's in season. Um, and that would be really lovely if you start to see that in, in other industries. Um, and I do think... You know, if, if we're going to get everyone to kind of shift their lifestyle and, and, and embrace a more eco-friendly way of living, we have to recognise that's going to happen at every price point. Or we, we need to make options at every price point. We can't, you know, on Pebble we say very, very clearly, we're not expecting people not to shop ever again or not to travel ever again. That isn't realistic. You know, you have to, you have to sort of work with people, not against them. Um, so you need to give options at every budget. Um, for a more sustainable, more eco way of doing things. Um, just the same way you have incredible restaurants for every budget um, and you don't sort of assume that um, the more ethical ones are always going to be um, really cheap or really expensive. Um, and I think that's what we have to kind of get our heads around in, in, in all the other industries as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to sort of touch on this thing about um the importance of raising awareness in what you're doing and it's something that we sort of you know spoke about you know kind of by email if you like in the ahead of ahead of talking um and you, you sort of so one of the things that was important was to you was raising awareness of farming food waste and supporting small businesses and I was just I'd like to talk about all of that but I was wondering I suppose why why farming first in that list and do do you think that's an area where awareness needs to be raised in particular yes i do i'm really passionate about this um i think if you care about food and you, you consider yourself someone who loves food you the next step rather than sort of taking pretty pictures of it and putting them on instagram you really need to invest yourself in where that food's come from how it's made um and looking at the, the wider industry and farming because there are so many you know, quite scary issues going on with farming that, that will affect the food that we eat in the future and the food that we eat now. Um, from, you know, soil erosion through to, you know, the monocrops, the biodiversity loss, a lot of the things that we are, are worried about and care about come back to farming and the role that it has in our, in, in our, um, in our world. You know, everything from conservation to a lot of the people... Um, I think a lot of people's issues with why they're moving towards veganism has really to do with industrial scale farming and the way we treat animals and the way we treat the land. 
Um, I grew up in Suffolk. I grew up with with farmers, and, and a lot of friends are still still farming there. And I just think it's an industry that is very overlooked when it comes. While food is such an important one, and to me they're the two they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Um, so if you don't really understand how and why people farm in different ways, how can we have a conversation about you know conservation and biodiversity and and restoring the environment? Um, so it's something I think we love talking about on the site, and it's also something you don't often see in a consumer magazine. You know, when would you come across conversations with farmers? Um, so I kind of like putting them in there because to me they are absolutely fascinating and something people should understand more about. Um, I don't know how you feel. Like, what, what, how are you well, feeling I, 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 yeah, I do. Um, I, I agree. In you know, sort of long, long story short, absolutely. It's, it's. I mean, it certainly underpins most of the decisions. I think in in the food industry and the systems that are built on top of that. I think are are where the where most of the issues that people have you know the the sort of the um i th- i think most when people think about sort of food and and the problems with it mo- typically they're thinking they'll think about industrialized mm. food production and probably meat in particular so i th- and i think i think the sort of conversations around how that has how that system has come to be and you know why it is the way it is and what the options are and what that means for the farmers i think that sort of identifying people don't don't know a lot about it and i don't i didn't know a lot about it even working in the food industry until i started talking to people about this you know re- really for for the podcast um you know sort of i mean what do you do you you're talking to the to the farmers for your for the magazine and do you what do they tell you what do they want people to know that they don't already know I think it's um so we did a, a feature back in March actually for International Women's Day which was going out and shooting and interviewing women farmers and it wasn't so much we interviewing you know we wanted to showcase women farmers because I don't think they are showcased uh, enough anywhere but actually we weren't talking to them about being a woman and being a farmer we were just talking to them about the challenges they have um, as farmers and it was really interesting the diversity of the kind of farms they were running from like warm milk dairies to herb farms to vertical aquaponics um you know because it, it all just kind of challenged the idea that a farm is a field with a tractor on it um or it's some massive industrial kind of slaughterhouse and i think the kind of the passion that these people have for their industry and a lot of them a lot of the farmers we speak to, you know, are very, um, they're guardians of the land, you know, they're guardians of the, the the way that they are farming and what they are farming, and they want to preserve it and improve it and put stuff back for the next generation. And I think, you know, that does get lost when people, like you were saying, think about, you know, industrial meat farming, which is, uh, you know, I think a whole different, a whole different thing. Um and, you know, there's so many amazing stories to be told um, from sort of uh, estates around the country or from, you know, from new farmers as well. There's, there's a huge movement in America and Canada where people in their 20s and 30s with no farming history are going and setting up farms because they want to live this more natural life and be, you know, have control over what they're eating and where it's coming from. And I think as we 
we have all this sort of nervousness about like is our food local is it organic how many animals has it done you know the farmers are the people that that we should be supporting to make that happen to make the good things happen um and to make the good food happen so I think listening to them is, is really, really interesting. And I'm by no means an expert. <laughs> you know, I just find it absolutely fascinating how uh, crop systems work or how, you know, holistic uh, farming is, is, it makes sense to me, you know? Um, so I think, you know, I think it's the next step, you know, as we were, we were talking about the food industry being quite mature and its recognition of organic and, and ethical meat and all this kind of other stuff, fair trade and, I think often we'll know more about farmers in Africa who run fair trade chocolate, uh, cocoa plants than we do about people in our own county. Um, so I think there's that, that's something that's a really interesting area to explore. Yeah. Do, you, do you think there's a sort of maybe kind of a lack of respect for farmers and what they do? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Do you? I just... There've been a, I've seen I've read a number of, and seen a number of things recently where you know people are talking about farmers as almost like the enemy as the sort of part of this you know terrible system. I mean, do you do you get the sense that they from the farmers you've talked to that they feel like people are seeing them in that way? I think it obviously depends on what kind of farmer you're talking about and what kind of farmer you're talking about. I, I think the whole kind of you know incredible mega farms and monocrops. I think probably people do. Well, so people that are interested in this probably do see them as a bit of the enemy. But for me, I think that the farmers that we are talking to are very much at the other end of that scale. And I don't think it's lack of respect. I think it's lack of knowledge. It's people don't even consider it or consider what they're doing or think to ask um, about how sustainable this industry is or how it's changing or what the challenges are. Um, it's just assumed that, you know, our food will be in Tesco's day in, day out. And... You know, a lot like we were, we were saying, you know, we've, we've not thought about where our food ends up or our waste ends up. We kind of haven't thought about where it comes from either. Um, and I think, you know, opening up uh, our minds to both sides, both ends of that chain is, is a really positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying not to get myself into too much trouble. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, and I kind of... It was, well, they're difficult things, aren't they? It's kind of, um, I'm just like I said, I think at the beginning, but I mean, talking about a lot of these issues is difficult because they're, they're contentious and they, there's sort of, there's a, some tendency with a lot of, you know, to, to kind of divide along these us versus them sort of lines. And I just, you know, when you're, when you're writing about these issues, do you try to find common ground where it is or sort of, you know, try and, try and take a more nuanced position perhaps when, when investigating something? I mean, we are, we're quite, you know, there's a lot of thought goes into the kind of angle that we talk about and, um, you know, a lot of thought goes into the impact that a feature might have. Um, and we don't want to upset anybody. That's not why we're, we're here. And we're not, you know, we're not that kind of, um, that's not our role. You know, we're not a newspaper that's trying to sort of provoke people or, or cause offence. I think Pebble has done amazingly well, um, in terms of its reception, because everything comes from a place of passion, everything comes from pulling this together. We just want to find different solutions to myriad problems we have at the moment. And talking about them is better than not talking about them. Um, and we aren't 
putting forward one solution. Um, in any industry that we talk about, what we're doing is sort of showcasing the people that are trying to find a way forward. And it might be that that's not your bag, you might not agree, um, you might think there's a better solution, but I think it's just raising the awareness that there are people working on all these problems. Um, and that in itself is inspiring. That in itself sort of gives what well, gives me hope um, that we can find different, you know, different ways of combating the sort of damage that has been done over the last hundred years or so. Um, so I think overall, we, you know, we've had, you know, in two years, I think we've had about three people shout at us on Twitter. That, that's that's pretty. That's good going. It's pretty, it's pretty okay. So probably after this, we have a lot. Um, but I think you know it's it's not we're not trying to shout at people we're not trying to tell people what to do it's it's like let's investigate let's go and have a look at what people are are, are pioneering on trying and and talk about it um, absolutely I mean we've got to be able to have course well no I was just going to say it's it's um, certainly that's the kind of starting point of of this podcast so I can. You know, it, it sounds a lot like where I'm coming from with that. When you start looking at these issues that are very difficult and, and uh, you know, contentious, there are people, you know, working incredibly hard to try and do something good about them. And it's, it's about shining a light on on what they're doing, really. Uh, yeah. And we, we kind of say, you know, everyone's going to have their, their different red lines. You know, everyone has different aspects of all these problems that are more important to them than other people. Um, you know, it might be that you don't want to wear leather shoes. You want something that's that's vegan, but a lot of the vegan shoes have plastic in them, so that might be more important to you. You know, so I think you you can only present the solutions that are out there on a sort of um, you know a very sort of objective platform, and let other people decide which bits they want to engage in. Um, you can't tell everybody what to do. I think, yeah, people having different red lines is, is probably, that's an interesting way of thinking of it. I think that's, um, it's true because, you know, people's, people have their sort of special interests, don't they? And they sort of don't necessarily overlap in a uh, perfect. Yeah, I think, no. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do your best anyway. And like, I think that's all anyone can do. No one's, no one's uh, sadly going to solve every problem. On their own. <laughs> has has writing about these issues about I mean, say, you know, thinking about food in particular, but has has writing about sustainable food, has that changed the way that you live personally or the way that you think about issues? Oh yeah, totally. Um I I mean really when, when Pebble first started, it was it was going to be food, uh travel and design and, and a lot more design heavy and because the way the industries have changed and the world has changed in the last couple of years, we've now got a lot more fashion, but food's always been kind of my first love. Um, and cooking, and, and you know, I cook a lot at home, I cook from scratch at home, and I think that's, to me, again, that's really how I came to sort of find Pebble, was, was a lot of the interest in where these foodstuffs come from and the impact they're having on the environment and food waste and things. So that's, it's, it's definitely had an, an impact, and I'm lucky in that I'm, I'm in a situation where I find out about an awful lot of uh, new initiatives and trials and, um, you know, I know you guys had toast, ale, the, the sort of beer people on yeah, baked yeah. bread. And we've become quite good friends with them and uh, we're quite good, quite good friends with a lot of companies that make amazing stuff out of food waste or uh, redistributing surplus food. And 
I think because of that awareness, I'm, I'm very conscious of what what we throw away and try and do stuff with it and try and support these companies that are, are working surplus food, um, but also carry around a massive amount of guilt. Like, you know, I think with with the increased awareness comes increased guilt that you're not doing enough or, um, you know, every time I accidentally buy something in plastic in the supermarket, I feel like, you know, I've killed a fin every or something. It's hard to know where to stop with all these things once you start sort of, once you start looking. I suppose, you know, a lot of, a lot of consuming takes a bit of, um, I don't know what the word is, sort of willful blindness or something like that. Or, you know, to, to buy certain things takes that, uh, you know, sort of looking the other way. But once, once you've seen it, you can't, you can't pretend you, can't. you don't know. You kind of, no, like yeah. I, I, I'm not vegan, but I don't eat dairy anymore. You know, so I'll have some of the oat milks and stuff um, rather than dairy milk. Um, but it, I think I did this uh, trial at Back for Plastic Food to Life, sort of, okay, if you live without plastic, it does actually change what you eat because a lot of the stuff that you could get normally, like if you're out and about or, um, you know, dive into Tesco's on your way home, would come in plastic. So I think, again, a lot of the time... It puts puts it back on consumers that you have to make a choice. You know, is your is the food that you buy is it going to be organic? Is it that you can't afford that, and so that's not an option? Is it that you don't want it in plastic? You know, and I think unless you do live near one of these lovely zero waste shops, you kind of can't shop all of your values all at the same time. You know, you kind of have to pick and choose. Um, so I think that does get frustrating for people. And I know, you know, the, we, we hear a lot um, on Pebble that people are, are desperate for, like, the packaging companies and the food companies to really catch up with um, our now growing disgust at how much plastic we throw away. And that's that's now become people's biggest issue, over and above budget when they're buying food. And I think that's an incredible turnaround in under two years, I would say. And I think there's a frustration for things to kind of shift. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but it's... Um... You know these things have huge, huge impacts or huge implications, don't they? If you're, you know, if, if the company if a company is moving away from plastic, say, then that, um, you know, when you're looking at food, then you're you're going to be left without modified atmosphere packaging, and then yeah. and then that sort of has a massive implication for all of your. Uh, and that's food exactly, and it's, food. it's it's yeah, it it gives you it's it's a. It is very, it's just interesting, I suppose, the kind of following one of these rabbit holes and the, you know, the implications of what, uh, what it means. But uh, you, um, you were just saying that people are, you know, hungry for advice and, you know, sort of ways of, ways of shopping their values and what have you. And I thought that might, might say quite nicely into another thing that I wanted to ask you about, which was the Pebble Guides. Um Yes. And perhaps we could just start by, you know, I could just sort of throw it over to you to say sort of what are they? What, what is it that they cover? What, what, are, what are Pebble Guides all about? Sure. So we kind of accidentally launched a second business earlier this year just, without just meaning like to. <laughs> just kind of happened. Um, so I, my business partner, Alex, runs a design agency and, and builds websites and everything. And it, we were talking, My part of my background is running and, and writing and editing travel guides. Um and we really wanted to do something that pushed the focus out of London and back onto the regional cities in the UK where we hear so many exciting things going on and 
incredible crafters and makers and microbreweries and micro makers and all this sort of stuff. And we were thinking, okay, what can we do? Um, and rather have something as a kind of static feature on Pebble, we wanted something that was more useful um, and something that people could interact with and, and get value out of. Um, so we went and built a bespoke um, web, I guess, web app program that's underpinned by Google Maps. So we've launched two cities, Nottingham and Bristol, and we're about to launch Brighton. And you can go onto the Google, uh, the Pebble Guides website and download the city. And it, it you can choose between 13 categories, so everything from farmers markets and bike paths to eco-hotels and sustainable restaurants, and then see what's there in the city and see it all on the map. And we also have itineraries that kind of take you around on like half-day adventures. Um, and you can filter and search for vegan places and for bike-friendly places and dog-friendly places. Um, so that's been a – it seems very simple on paper, but it's been a huge undertaking. Um, and we're slowly rolling those out. We'd hope to get five out this year, but we're going to get three just because – to do them right is, is taking quite a bit of time. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the sort of hell guides in a nutshell. And they, they are free guides for the, for the consumers. But like you yes. said, that's, that's a huge undertaking for you. So how, how it must have been important to you to make them free, for one. And how, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you make sure that they, <laughs> that they don't kind of end up costing you a fortune? Yeah. Um, we, yeah, well, at the moment, they have cost quite a bit of investment um but the program that we use isn't can now be replicated so you know every every city doesn't cost us any more money it's if the program's there um but we do spend on sort of photography and working with local experts and local writers to make sure that we have the best information and that it's properly insightful it's not just us you know, picking places online it's it's us you know between us and the local expert we visit every place ourselves you know we try and find the the information that isn't isn't always available so you know like they've got half price drinks on a friday you know all the kind of information you really need um and for us we have then sponsors uh who are who can sponsor a city and we have adverts in that sort of display advertising um so we've, we've worked with pucker teas uh, on the bristol one because that's where they're based um and then we're, we're talking to a couple of companies about the brighton one so we really want to keep them free they are free um, you just go online and, and everything's there um, and it does I think to link back into what you were saying sorry it's gone around in, in a, more of a big circle um, part of the reason we, we did the guides was because we wanted to support the sustainable businesses that we champion on the site we wanted to, to kind of funnel people that way you know kind of like here's a potter you can go and hang out with on a Friday here's a micro distillery where you can go and make your own gin and, and really get people, you know, interacting and networking and talking in real life with these amazing businesses. Um, and for us, that's just as important as reading something on Pebble. Um, so it was, a, it was a kind of slightly different platform for us, but something that's that's working pretty well. So you you're going out and um, you know you, you've got you've got writers. You're generating your own con- your own content. I think with some you know sort of review type platform or maybe many review platforms a lot of the content submitted by you know by the places themselves is it i suppose that puts a limit on the kind of um 
you know, it, it puts a limit on you just because of the manpower that it'll it'll need need yeah. for you. But was it important for you to kind of keep that editorial, you know, control that honesty? Definitely. Like I think that's that's part of Pebble's strength is the editorial quality and the editorial control. Um, and that's you know that that's my background. You know, I've worked in print for for, for a long time and that's everything, you know, your, the quality of your writing, the quality of your photography, the, the quality of the design, that's really what makes you stand out. And that's what we kind of wanted to bring across to the digital platforms and not, not lose that. And also, you know, we want to suggest places and, and, and recommend places that we love and are proud of and want to send people to. And I think if we didn't have that very personal control over it, it would very, that bit would very quickly unravel and it would just be a kind of, a list of places that wouldn't be any different to anything else on the, on the internet. Um, so yeah, it's very much a, a kind of curated collection of everywhere we love. Brilliant. So you, you're planning to expand. Um, do you have, you said, sorry, Brighton is coming or was that the... Brighton, Brighton coming? is coming, um, yeah, in the next couple of weeks. We're just getting the last of um, images together. And then the next ones will be Norwich and Cardiff and Edinburgh. Um, in the next sort of six months or so, um, we kind of we're staying outside of capital cities for the moment because we feel like you know London doesn't need any more guides. Uh, quite honestly, it's covered. It. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's covered. Yeah. It's covered. Uh, and so is Paris, and so is New York. New York's the capital. But um, you know, for us, the excitement is actually the kind of secondary and tertiary cities because again, that that fits into a, a travel trend that we're seeing where people want to go and explore places that maybe don't have the big hitter attractions and don't have the crowds so for us that that feels like a more natural fit for us mm. would it would it stay a sort of uk focused business um, for, at least for now or i mean do you have eventually would you like that have, to be you know cover we, everywhere we have international plans yep. um world domination we, world domination <laughs> obviously um but very very green eco domination um yeah, we do. We have international plans. I just don't know how quickly we're going to be able to roll them out. Um, we are trying to increase manpower at the moment. So um, hopefully next year we'll have more people more people working on the guides specifically, which will increase the rollout. I mean, are you looking for contributors? So if, I mean, I don't know if, you know, you know, who might be listening that might think that they, you know, would make a good contributor, but are you encouraging people to make contact or is this yeah, something you definitely. might... Yeah. Um, we don't always use every contributor. You know, we, we do obviously need people that can, can write and, and have a good sense of, of what we're after. Um, but we're definitely interested in hearing from people because you never know when something could come up that fits. You know, so I have a file um, on my computer of people that have got touch and the freelancers that we use. Um, you know, we have a worldwide network of people that we can call on as we need to. So always happy to expand that. Well, we'll... Uh... You know, there you go. You heard it. You heard it here. Get in touch if you're interested. And we'll, we'll put, you know, we'll put links and what have you in, obviously. That's fine. Just don't expect to reply the yeah. same day. <laughs> Understood. Oh, I, I we, um, asked you about, you know, plans for the future in the in the sort of, you know, back and forth before this before this show. And you, you mentioned uh, an event series, a Pebble event series. And I was just... Um, I was wondering what what exactly that was going to be about, and you know what. Uh... Sure. Um, so we 
are a little bit um, on the world domination <laughs> um, the, the green, next year. Green world the green, yeah. green world domination. Um, we've been persuaded, or I've been persuaded, to do the Pebble Festival uh, in London next spring um, with sort of talks and workshops and food experiences um, and uh, sort of shops and, and ethical stores. Um, so we are beavering away working on that as well um, as everything else at the moment. Um, it's crazy. It, it really has gone crazy this year. But we've got so much interest. Um, and we've just done our first reader survey and something like 91% of our readers want to come to an event hosted by us. Um, 91% and we've of your 40,000. Uh... Uh, 91% of the ones surveyed, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd love it if everyone did the survey. Um but I think it just, again, it goes back into we're a digital magazine, but a lot of the stuff we talk about is very tactile, it's very um, accessible, it's very, you know, we want it to be practical kind of advice. And we'd like to bring that, you know, out of the screen and, and really um, create something special for a day for people. So we're working on that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the first event uh, really for next year. That sounds very exciting and I'll, I'll keep an eye out for... Yeah, I'll, once I have, uh, once I can, I'm told I can give people details. I will do. I'm, I'm sort of serious a little bit. Amazing. All right. Well, as we sort of to draw to draw these sort of conversations to a close, which I think we we will start to do. I I ask some more general questions. They get a bit more quick fire. Um, sure. But um, I'll just sort of you know chuck a couple at you and um, see what you think. If I asked you, in, in the context of food, if I say success, who do you think of and why? Oh, um, two, well, anyone that has anything to do with Noma, right. um, who are just my foodie heroes. Um, and also, I think from a, from a much more British point of view, um, Hugh Fanning, who still seems to me, has... Uh, you know, everything that he does seems to seems to go pretty well, and he is very much on, on my wavelength. Um, I'd like to move into River Cottage. I think that would, well, yeah, you have to talk to him nicely. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, I'd, I'd agree with that. He, he sort of seems uh, sort of a genuine, just to, just to sort of genuinely believe in all of the things that he's championed over you know really a long time now. So definitely, and he's, he's very on, on the ball with the right issues and. and um, from a place of real passion and, and knowledge and yeah absolute hero yeah he'd be on my list as well um if you could pick up the phone and talk to your 20 year old self what would you say to her god don't drink so much um university in birmingham yes you've got yeah. street, yes you've done your research um i would say uh, just chill out yeah i uh wait you to get way too stressed about things and i think Someone gave me good advice years ago when you're when you're working in media at the end of the day it's only words and pictures and that that sometimes gets lost. Good to remember. Um what is your favourite thing to do that has nothing to do with food? Um I like knitting and I like yoga. Um not together, but those two things. Um or drinking gin on a really hot balcony would be my idea of heaven. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Perfect. And uh Oh, well, let's see. What keeps you awake at night? Oh, God. Um, financial destitution. <laughs> <That'd be great. laughs> 
Um, that and I'm basically planning uh, my wedding, which doesn't really seem to be going very far. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's all this all this world domination getting in the way. Yeah, that's that. Um, yeah, or oh, anything that I bought in plastic that, that always bothers me. All right, thank you. I'm just sorry for firing all those at you. It's a bit. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's been brilliant uh, talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. No, not at all. It's been, it's been really, really a fun conversation to have. And would you just, we're sort of finishing up, I will, I'll put links and all those sorts of things to, to the website, to the, to the guides and what have you in, in the notes and things. But is, is there anything that you want to kind of direct people towards? If um, you know? I think if you're looking to, to kind of um, know more about Pebble and, and sort of get involved, then the best thing to do is sign up for the newsletter, which is on a Friday. Um, and that's really what we look at. It's like our weekly issue. So all of our new content, everything we're doing. Um, so you, if you sign up for that, that would uh, make my life a lot easier. Brilliant. Well, we will encourage you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there. Thank you. Um, Thank you very, very much for your time. And yeah, it's been it's been great to talk to you. And Thank you so much. Thanks for all your interest and uh, let me uh, ramble on um, sometimes probably incoherently. So thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.